Listen, we all know that ferns be tripping and buds be bugging. We also know you love plants and you love to get the tea served with some planty shade. So honey, you need to check out the Plant Key Key podcast. The Plant Key Key is a fun, safe space for grown and sexy plant parents to listen and kiki along with their favorite soil cousins who are dishing the dirt on their favorite foliage, a little pop culture, botanical trends, plants they wish they had, and plants they wish they never had. The Plant Kiki Podcast is presented by Black in the Garden. And you guys, it'll be available to you October 10th. To learn more about the Plant Kiki Podcast, follow them on Instagram and Twitter at The Plant Kiki. This podcast is also sponsored by Black People with Plants. If you support everything Black the way I do, then you'll love Black People with Plants. The melanin drips over everything green in this space. Black People with Plants is bold and unapologetic. To learn more about this movement, follow them on Instagram at Black People with Plants. That's Black People W dot Plants. The Black Plant Chick Podcast is sponsored by Light and Love Plant Company. Light and Love offers high quality houseplants direct to your door. Their plants are sustainably sourced and packaged with care. You guys, they're my favorite. I'm not going to even lie to you. To learn more about Light and Love houseplants, follow them on Instagram at lightandlove underscore plant co or go to their website at shoplightandlove.com. And don't forget to tell them Jade sent you. Welcome to the Black Plant Chick Podcast. I am your Black Plant Mama Jade, and this is another episode. This is the second episode in my Black Farmers Month series, and it is um, something that I have been looking forward to for quite a while. Um, Like I mentioned in the last episode, since I have been um, volunteering with the people who are on today's show, I have sort of um, gained a new appreciation for not just the land, but for the people who work on the land. And so I'm so excited to have the people who are joining me today, um, the co-founders of Black to Earth, um, on the show This is going to be one for the books, yet another one for the books. Um, I hope that I I ask all the questions that my audience is um, looking to hear and learn more about them. Um, I don't have any major announcements yet, I don't think, for the show, but you guys know what to do. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, review it, share it with your friends and your family, um, and don't be afraid to send me a message and let me know what you think. Um, So let's get on with the show. I would like to welcome to the Black Plant Chick podcast, the co-founders of Black to Earth, and that is Michaela Williams and Tony Hurd. Hello. Hey. We're so excited to be on here. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. I'm so excited to have you guys on here. Um, 
it has it's it's been one of those things that's like okay I knew this was a space that I wanted to occupy as far as um, introducing more Black farmers and people who help Black farmers um, to my audience. Um, so it feels good to be in a place where I can do it, but I actually um, have relationships with you guys versus just me finding you on social media and saying, Hey, you want to be on my show type of thing. Um, so I feel like we'll be able to chat from sort of a real place just from gaining a relationship before recording today. Yeah. Um, It definitely feels like family with you, Jade, for sure. It definitely does. (laughs) I'm so excited. So, um, I, you guys, I want you guys to tell us about yourselves, about this movement that you guys have started. Um, don't run to the mic first. You can let the lady go first, Tony, if you would like. <laughs> um, but please just introduce yourself to my audience. Um, and then we'll talk more about, you know, how Black Turf came about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Michaela Williams. Uh, I am co-founder of Black to Earth and, um, Black to Earth just kind of came about because in my regular day job, um, I worked for the USDA Forest Service and um, Mm -hmm. I interned with Greeny Youth Foundation. And that's how I found the Forest Service, because I had no interest in wanting to work in the outdoors before then. Um, But uh, during that internship with Greeny Youth Foundation in the Forest Service, I was tasked to go out and connect the community with their national forest. And while that work was great and it was amazing um, and I made really dope connections and I found my passion in life, I realized that I want to do something closer for home, closer to home and like for my people and my community. And so that's kind of why we started Black to Earth. And um, well, that's that's kind of my my thought process on it. Like I really wanted to do something closer to home and that felt, you know, like family. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I worked for the Forest Service for a bit as well as a wildland firefighter. But uh, the necessity with Black to Earth for me just came about, you know, just living this life. And, you know, I'm a I'm an American descendant of slavery. Um, hopefully, you know, y'all know about Yvette Carnell and uh, Antonio Moore from uh, Tone Talks. And no, Brown. why don't you tell my listeners about those people? Oh, I hear it. Yeah. Here, From Yeah. Maybe we should turn it down. Turn it down a bit. Sorry about that. But yes, tell my listeners about. Oh, we're good now. I don't hear it anymore. Um, okay. Well, you know, uh, 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 Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore, the founders of um, a movement called uh, American Citizens of Slavery or ADOS, um, they're on Twitter. They're essentially like the, um, you know, when you hear Black Twitter, like a lot of that information starts with them and then it kind of gets uh, uh, funneled down. And then, you know, the social media things kind of spread out so people don't know where certain conversations come from. But the conversation about Mm -hmm. reparations for the American descendants of slavery comes from the ADOS movement, Um, um, Yvette Carnell, Antonio Moore. um, Let's see, it's it's them essentially declaring us as a lineage and an ethnic group, Um, the same way how Native Americans are an ethnic group and they're protected by the U.S. government. We need to be declared that as well. it's also a movement as well. So we're fighting for reparations. We brought that to the uh, debate state stage. Um, and, and that's what's going on. You know, we went through 250 years of slavery. We went through a hundred years of Jim Crow, mass incarceration, uh, redlining, all these different things. And, um, we're owed trillions of dollars by the U S government for everything that we've been through in this country and everything's connected as it, as it relates to 
um, this justice claim with the American government. So, and and that's just that in a, in a short nutshell. So, thank you. Okay, go ahead and finish telling us about yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, this as far as Blacks to Earth, you know, uh, a lot of Americans since slavery lost uh, a, a lot of land and agriculture. We had sixteen percent of the uh, uh, agriculture in the U.S. and especially during the Jim Crow era, we lost a lot of that land. And uh, we need to get to a point where we can be self-sufficient and self-sustained and be able to um, um, uh, uh, grow our own crops and things like that, um, to, to not be relying on the government. But we also have to have protections as well. And, and you know, and so what we do is we try to facilitate um, to get volunteers to these Black-owned farms. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural stigma. Um, you know, we were slaves. We were sharecroppers and we got lynched outside. All these different atrocities happened to us when we were outside. And so we kind of lost that uh, uh, that inclination of wanting to be outside. So, you know, that's that's where the necessity for my part when it came to Black to Earth of pushing this and trying to get people to these farms and get them to uh, uh, focus on agriculture. So. Right, right. That's that's incredible. Would you say that your relationship to the land um, was apparent to you from an early age or was that something that as you grew up um, and as you be, became more educated that you realized that that was something that you needed to get back to? And that could be a question for both of you guys. Um, I can say for me, uh, growing up, I didn't I wouldn't have considered myself connected to the land. Um, because I was somebody who liked to sit inside and, you know, I wanted the air conditioning going. I just wanted food and to relax. Okay. And so, um, as I'm older now, and I was looking back on my childhood, I realized that I did have a connection with the land because I was, I was enjoying myself when I was playing sports outside. I was enjoying myself when I finally like took my dog on the walk. I found myself finding peace whenever I had to go outside for any type of reason. And so I would say, like, looking back on it, now that I am more educated about, like, you know, the outdoors and what it means to really enjoy yourself and go camping and go hiking and uh, be a part of something bigger than uh, yourself, which is giving back to the earth. um, That's where I'm I I think it just kind of tied all in together for me. Um, I had to really go on a journey to realize that, like, you know, for one, this is who I am. And for two, like, this is my connection to the outdoors and that I enjoy it because it's not something that's looked at as something that we do. You know what I mean? Like when I say we, I mean black folks. So it was a journey for me to be like, I'm a black woman. I like to be outside and that's okay. Okay. If I want to hike and go camping, I can do that. So. (laughs) Right. And it's not a white thing. (laughs) And it's not a white thing. Yeah. -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm from, well, I grew up a, a large portion of my life in Shellote, North Carolina. It's very country near Myrtle Beach in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, my grandma has a garden. Her whole, you know, front and backyard is a garden. She's always outside, you know, growing her plants. And I know when uh, my parents are younger, when my mom was younger, um, they will go outside and help my grandma actually make uh, uh, plant food and stuff. So they were, you know, they they had plants and stuff. And a lot of my um, aunts and stuff grew cabbage and all those things. And my Uncle Boop had like a horse and and pigs and stuff like that. So um, as I think about it, I, I've always been connected with uh, gardening and being outside. So. Right. Wow. So you guys um, sort of bring people into this space, right? You 
connect with other farmers um, and then you connect with people who want to get involved with farmers um, and bring them in by volunteering at um, local farms here in Atlanta. What would you say is like the most rewarding part of that? Because I can say for me as a volunteer, what's rewarding, but knowing that you guys are the ones that sort of keep that, that thing going, what is rewarding for that um, when it comes to that for you guys? I would say, um, for me, uh oh, I can't hear you. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me now? Okay, I would say for me, the ability to be to be able to build trust amongst people, mm-hmm. like that, feels like that is just it's amazing because yeah. I feel like a lot of times, especially within the black community, especially amongst each other, like we feel like you know, you just hear people saying like, oh, I don't trust so and so, and I don't trust so. Like, I'm not, I I don't want to keep up mess. I want to come and like literally build a connection with somebody, you know what I'm saying? And figure out how to help these folks and how to bring the community closer to these local resources. These are local heroes. These are superheroes. They are growing the food that people got to eat. This is stuff that you don't want to go to Walmart and get this. Once you get that fresh food, once you understand like what goes into it, the hard work, the long days. And you see it flourish, like mm-hmm. I think that's you know that's something that you can't you can't find anywhere else, and you can't find it nowhere else because it's a different vibe when Black folks get together and when we support each other. So for me, it's definitely being able to build trust and network and bring the community closer together. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoy the uh, you know helping out the farmers, and um, also enjoy the. the peace um that's very fulfilling when you're out there and people uh, show up and and everybody's just gardening um someone may have had like some negative energy you know something happened and out, outside of this and then they go to the farm and you know they come they get completely healed and and um um you know they're at peace and they're happy so that's right. you know uh you know what i feel is the most um, uh, grateful thing for me. So yeah, and you so you mentioned heal or um, so, sort of getting healed while they're out there, and I totally um, agree with garden therapy, plant therapy. Um, I definitely feel that it's very real, and it's one of those things that unless you've actually experienced it, it might sound crazy to you. Unless you've um, picked up the soil and let it run through your your fingers or you've pulled some weeds out of the ground or did any like anything like that, even growing plants in your home, um, you won't really understand what that means. Since you guys have been connected to the land, what have you learned about yourselves? Ooh. Wow, that's a I great hate you question. guys with that. I didn't put that one on. <laughs> no, that is a great question, actually. Um, I think for me, I've just I've learned that like I really enjoy um, just kind of learning from other people. Like, I, like I, I guess I just I really enjoy listening and taking in like everything that's around me in that moment. Um, and so I, I know a lot of times, like if I am in a, in a place, uh, sometimes I'll just get quiet. Right. And sometimes silence is deafening. So it may be like, are you okay? And like, I'm fine. I'm just really enjoying where I am right now. Like the experience and I'm taking it all in. So, um, I think I learned that about myself that I can, cause in my everyday self, I'm like anxious and I'm running around and I'm constantly doing something. So when I have those moments on a farm and I'm just standing there and I'm, you know, just really taking in everything that's around me, 
um, it's it's just a different feeling. So um, I guess so I kind I'm, of it, it's allows mm-hmm. you to kind of slow down in a way. Yeah, slow down. Mm. Let me ask you a follow up, and then Tony, I'll let you answer that. How do you think that you can um, sort of bring that into your regular life, your regular life when you're not on the farm? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I, when I go to these farms and I meet up with these farmers and I build this connection, I try to make sure like, hey, you know, if you have a plant that you're not, you know, if you're growing some vegetables and you have extra of it, can I take it home with me? Mm. And so when me taking that home um, and you know, nourishing that plant and taking care of it. Those are those times that I still get to slow down and, you know, feel like I'm back on the farm. Um, but I definitely try to at least, you know, get some type of plant, some type of herd from them or seed. So that way I'm planting that own seed in my head. Like, hey, you got to go home. You got to make time to take care of this plant. Slow it's like it's a reminder in a way when you look at reminder, it. Yeah. You remember mm-hmm. what you felt in that moment when you were either picking it or it was handed to you or you saw it grow or something like that. Um, it kind of reminds you to slow down. I know for me, mm-hmm. with the plants that I have in my home, when I look at them, it kind of reminds me that the that my life is a little bit bigger than me. Like the things that yeah. I'm doing um, are more than what I can actually see. Um, yeah. And it's okay if I can't see at the end of the tunnel right now, but just know that there's something greater out there. And I, it's something about the plants that I'm surrounded by that remind me of that. Yeah. Um, Tony, you go ahead. Um, I think with me, I, I just get extremely just focused on a task and, you know, I'm just out there just doing it, you know, like, um, I think I get very obsessive. Like, I, you know, I'm doing something, I'm on a task, I want to get this done. And mm-hmm. I think I have a green thumb too. Like, I just know, like, you know, if I had land or when I get land and I'm going to be growing a lot of things and, um, I feel like I am a plant or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, um, Outside of that, um, discipline, mm. uh, usually, well, in the past, I've, I've been very scattered, you know, here, there, here and there. And, and um, I've definitely learned that focus um, one thing at a time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's real. That, that focus is definitely something that I feel like I've learned, too, um, since volunteering in the garden and working with plants as well, um, because you if you don't like slow down and focus on one thing at a time, you can miss something. And that one thing that you miss could be like the end of the plant for you or, you know, something can go wrong in the garden because you didn't take that time to focus on what's in front of you. Um So kind of like to lift, well, I won't even say lift up the mood because it still was, it wasn't like a bad place to be in. But um, since you guys have been out there in the gardens and on these farms, what would you say is something that you still have not been able to get used to? Like I'm working through my phobias when it comes to creepy crawlers. Um, and as I know that I'm overcoming it, I still, every now and then I'm like, I know there's a bug that I haven't encountered yet that eventually when I'm pulling up this thing, I'm going to see it. So what would you say is something that since you guys are out here all of the time that you still have not been able to get used to? 
Um, let's see. I don't. Uh, I, I don't like spiders. I don't think I'm ever gonna <laughs> not like spiders. Um, I think I remember you with the worms, though. Yes. I remember that. You definitely did not like worms. No, and, my uh, eyes were closed the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, for me, the spiders. I don't think I'll ever get over not liking spiders. Mm. I, I don't know if that's a good answer. Uh, no, that I'm is really, because I, they're out there. They are. They're very they're creepy. Mm-hmm. And I don't like roaches. You'll find some roaches like in oh. the mulch or in like compost. Oh. I'm not. I cannot write. You squeeze <laughs> I cannot. You will find them roaches in that compost and I'll be like, nope, I'm out for the day. So this was fun. <laughs> See y'all later. I can't. Event over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I cannot deal with them. That is my thing. Yeah, they eat wood. I think they eat pretty much. And then what's weird is that they almost look like it. So you might go in there and Yay. be picking up the mulch and not realize that it's one right there too. <laughs> yes, yeah, just hanging out. I'm like, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh, that's that grosses me out. So there's this <laughs> one question that I have um after speaking with another farmer and kind of asking some other people the same question that everyone seems to have are not be able to find an answer or they feel like the question is difficult. Um, and that question is, how can we help Black farmers? Oh, for us, it's definitely showing up. When we, I'll say this. When I started Black to Earth, I, I was happy that I had met Chris Lemons. He's on our board. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of the uh, founders of Gratitude Botanical Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we work closely with him and we love Chris. Um but I, I asked him, I was like, what do y'all need? And he was like, we need help. It's just me out here. Yeah. It's literally just him and Desmond working on that farm day in and day out. Um, you go to Patchwork City Farms with Jamila. You go to um, Urban Roots Farm. Like you go to these farms in the city or even outside the city. And you realize it's one or two people working that farm. Unless they're in a co-op, right? And so I think... From what I've seen and just the feedback that I've heard from the volunteers and from the farmers, having like consistent help is super important. And that's why we literally built out Black to Earth like for specifically volunteering with um, Black owned farms, because right now these farms have to go to white organizations like uh, Hands on Atlanta. They have to sign up and hope that they get selected so that they can get volunteers out there. Wow. At the end of the day, the, these white farms get billion billions of dollars a year uh, uh, for for what they uh, do in agriculture. You know, um, billions of dollars. But pre COVID, uh, uh, these uh, black farms get crumbs, and and that's just, is what it is. And 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 so what we got to do is we have to demand that you know to help them. We need to get awareness, get more political because. Our politics has been terrible over these last uh, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to make sure the American government knows that they need to pay us trillions of dollars. There needs to be land um, that needs to be redistributed, uh, uh, you, you know, because at, at this point we're, we're, we're drowning in, from our agriculture um, um, institutions and in and, uh, our own communities and stuff. Uh, our resources have been cut, you know, so that's dropping our uh, carrying capacity by a great amount. Um, and you know, we, we, we need to have that, that, uh, that help from the American government that protects us yes. and, and, and 
uh, pays us back what we're owed for what we put into this country and what we've been through. And and that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. Like we need policy protecting those black farms. Yes. Yes. Especially because they, they provide the same thing as any other farm. It's not like mm-hmm. it's something, it's not like the food is different or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, you go to the white farm and there's, and the food tastes a lot different than this. Cause I can guarantee that if you pull up a tomato from that, from a white farm and pull up one from a black farm, most likely you're going to taste the same. So I don't understand yeah. why it's so difficult. Like I was reading that, um, like several decades ago that there were so many more black farmers than it is now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you would, you would kind of think that that would, the numbers would be flipped that maybe back then there were less and there were more now because now people, you know, it's more supported or something like that. But it's so crazy that even back then they weren't supported as much, but there were more people working the land. Um, And even now the support is not there, but you still have so many people who are trying to get back to the land. It's just hard to believe that it's, that that's what's going on, that it's um, difficult for you guys to get that, for farmers to get that funding, for um, them to get supported by the government. Like it's so hard like that. It just amazes me. And I mean, they cut the competition down greatly. Um, You have to think about the fact that how do you compete against the people that have been working for free for 250 years? You can't really compete against that. So when they've been put, when they put are put into the marketplace, you got to do something to stop them from, you know, uh, out competing you because against essentially the first affirmative action policies were for white people at the end of slavery because they were sitting on their couches, dwelling their thumbs and we were set free. And if there was an equal playing field, we, there would be black billionaires all over the place. Like they, they can't handle the competition mm-hmm. is what that is. And we've been seeing that for 400 years. And, and so there's not an accident. It's not something, you know, that just happened out of the blue. This is uh, uh, us trying to make something out of nothing and and constantly making diamonds out of pressure, you know. And I think also uh, something to note, which is what you said, um, I think they did a great job learning history and making sure we had no knowledge of these Black farmers. And so um, one of the things we're looking into now with Black to Earth is once we spread out and we go um, for outside of the city, we want to get in contact with these black farmers that are generational farmers. These right. folks whose families have been farming. You know, we have that connection with um, Chris, which is amazing uh, to know somebody here in the city who is a generational farmer. But we want to go meet those folks who've been on the same land mm-hmm. for this many years and it's been in the family and hear those stories and make sure that stuff is being told because it keeps being muffled. Mm-hmm and just skewed so that we don't even think that it's a possibility for us to go out and farm, for us to own our own land, for us to provide food for our community, for us to start a co-op and with other farms and then raise money through that to start a store, to start a bank, you know, where we sell our own fruits and vegetables. We handle our own money. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's a, the reason why I really wanted to do this. Um, I'm considering um, doing it again um, sometime this year and um, bringing on more farmers or um, just kind of giving them a platform to kind of discuss the things even more. Because I'm like these stories, like you said, these stories need to be told. Um, I'm from California. And so 
I, I mean, I, you know, of course I knew that there were farms, there's farms in California and stuff like that, but you don't realize how, um, important our role as black people, um, are on these farms until you start really learning the history. Um, and so Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I moved to Alabama and then here to Georgia that I started to learn more and I'm like, damn, like, this it's so unfortunate to see how pushed away we were or we are being pushed away from our own land um, and things like that. And, and being pushed away from a place that is like home for us, cultivating the land is something that our ancestors did. And, and even past slavery, like I'm not even thinking about the slavery part of it all, but just mm-hmm. when, when times were better and just being able to grow food on your own land and that being a safe place for our people. Um, and it's just so unfortunate to see us being pushed away from that. And so once I moved here and started volunteering and just kind of really getting into this space, it just opens up. So it opened up a lot for me. Like there's still a lot of mm-hmm. things that I'm learning, but I can see how other people would get discouraged and, you know, be afraid to maybe look into buying land and starting a farm. Because when you read certain things, it sounds like shit, y'all are giving us a hard time. And if, if I'm a new farmer and, yeah. you know, am I going to struggle? Is it going to take me years to be able to get this land that is obviously vacant and no one mm-hmm. is using it? Are you guys going to give me the funding? Like, I know that now they did the stimulus where, some uh, black farmers are getting a portion of um, that stimulus and they're getting a lot more money, but it's like, is that enough? You know, they, they turned and, it in, they turned that into a class-based policy where they're giving it to just kind of generalize people mm, of color. So it's really not even enough. It's not specific right. enough. You know, right. we need literally uh, trillions of dollars. We need a, yeah. a huge a- allocation of land. Um, we need all that. We're owed that, you know? Yeah. And I think the most important is that, like I said, we need protection. Yeah. And the USDA needs to really look at um, the requirements that they put on for you to become a certified farmer. There's a lot of Black folks who farm and they're just not certified because yeah. they know you got to have, uh, USDA said you got to have, I think, three years experience with oh, an wow. uprunning farm that's like already uprunning and got funds coming in. Where did, where am I gonna get that from? A, a lot of that was stolen during the Jim Crow era. Right, that was a hundred year period of terrorism, domestic terrorism. Um, you know, there were people that literally walked up and could take your assets. We had whole entire towns that were burned down. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the recent person that I can use as, as an example was George Floyd. George, George Floyd, his family had had land, and you know, due to the typical Jim Crow era. Um, their land got stolen from them. Uh, 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 they, I think they signed something. They, they uh, uh, were illiterate. They couldn't read or something like that. Um, but, you know, we know why that was the issue. And, right. and um, um, they got a lot of their land taken away. So, and then, and then of course, George Floyd worked at a, a, a goodwill and, and we know what happened to him, but that's the life of being a descendant of American slavery, you know, um, having your land taken away like that. So. Yeah. Whew. That's a lot. (laughs) But it seems like still, even with all of that, that we have to learn. And at the end of the day, the one of the best ways right now that you can show up and help black farmers is by showing up. It's by being there. I mean, like folks literally got to show up and get their hands in the dirt, get in the soil with them, have conversations with them. 
learn about them as people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because what they are, like I said, they're they're wealth of knowledge. Yeah. They're lo- they're local resources. They have these stories. They have they're herbalists. They're scientists. Right. You know what I'm saying? This is we hear farmer and we don't associate those other words with it. Right. But they're all of these things. You know yeah. what I mean? They have to test their water to make sure even that the plants that they grow in near the water isn't contaminated. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You have to think of it, it's so much thought and things that go into running a farm and doing it the right way um that I think a lot of people miss and so that's a place to go learn where you don't have to pay for it right you're not paying to get certified and go to this education class because that's what white people are gonna do they're gonna charge you five hundred dollars to come learn how to farm yep. go out there with your local black farmer and hang out with them for the day yeah. see what they're doing yep I I agree the best way to learn something is through experience mm-hmm. um and getting out there and being a part of it. I know I was doing some research the other day and you're right. Like there's so many like schools out there that you can take, I mean, classes you can take online to teach you how to become a farmer. And it's like, well, where is the field work? Where, you know, like at what point will some of these credits require me to actually be out there and farming with someone? Like I can read for free. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> I can absolutely. study all that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we, we sort of cultivated. We okay. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. We can hear you. <laughs> oh, we, you know, we we cultivated a culture of of kind of just uh, running away from our own community to be tethered to white capital and such like and such you know such things. So we definitely need to um, build up that uh, build up that uh, cultural thing of going back in internally and doing things within our own community. Um, you know, we we can't always be tethered to white capital. And I mean, other groups come into our community anyway and, and kind of plant flags from, you know, um, uh, the cosmetic stores and, and gas stations. And, you know, th- these other groups come into our community and, and plant flags and get the resources coming out of our community and bring it into theirs. So we need to at least have some kind of uh, pride in our history and in our culture to want to work with these farmers and, and yeah, to have that community, you know. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's real right there. You definitely have to want to, like you said, yeah, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) You said it. That's, that's real. Um, This is definitely a conversation I know that can go on um, so much longer because there's so many different areas that um, haven't even been covered when it comes to um, black farmers and just the things that they're experiencing right now, um, traumas that we are still overcoming as black people, um, that sometimes you even find yourself being triggered by being out there on the land. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that, but um, would you, was that yeah. something that you guys may have experienced, like by being out there, like having moments that you felt triggered? Yeah. Um, I can talk about when we went to Four Corners Community Garden. I actually was triggered. Um and it was by somebody else. Somebody else came in. We went to the Four Corners Community Garden the first time we were out there volunteering. Um, and a white woman had the audacity to come over and just ask, like, what are y'all doing out here? And I, for me, I just was baffled. I was like, this is a community garden. And she didn't realize we was with the president of People's Town, you know, who was Chris. And so he, you know, I was just like, I'm not going to say anything because I, re- I recognize this feeling right now. 
and it's anger. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, you know, show out in front of people. I'm trying to keep the vibe and the energy right. You know, so I let Chris Mm -hmm. handle it with her. But that moment right there, her just walking up and saying, like, what are y'all doing out here? Why are y'all here? You know, this I come over here and garden. This is where I got, you know, like just the whole presence, the demeanor, everything, the way she said it, it just it did something to me. And I was just like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we have to be at these farms. People got to see us because if we don't, this is going to continue to happen. We're not going to be able to go anywhere. So that that really triggered me. And it it made me think about, you know, just that time, that time in history that we just never talk about. which is when Black people were thriving, when Black farms were thriving. Why do we always skip over that history? You know what I'm saying? So I go back to that. I think of that. I think of that moment where Black people were thriving and we were successful and we got pushed out by white people because they simply didn't want us there. Um, So that was definitely a triggering moment for me. I mean, I I sometimes just have to try not to try to focus and, and not talk about things because sometimes like you know I just know too much about what's going on and and uh so I can trigger myself you know yeah. at, at certain times and that's just a perpetual thing of being a, a black American that you know we we're at a desperate moment in history right now where we only have 2.6 percent of the wealth and pre-COVID we were supposed to have um uh no wealth by 2050 COVID happened. And so that number got cut down drastically. And so we're at a very crucial moment right now where we need reparations, we need land, or we're not, we're, it's going to be mass poverty. And you're from California, so I'm sure you already know uh, Skid Row and all the American descendants of slavery in mm-hmm. California. I know half of the people that are in poverty in California are American descendants of slavery. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, you know, it's, we're just at a drastic moment, you, you know? and And then the, the the east coast is going to be underwater by 2050 i mean it's just Oof. it's crazy yeah you know yeah it's a lot of pressure and 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 us as millennials have to one make sure that the generation after us have something two we have to you know fight these gatekeepers that are here that are trying to you know these boomers and gatekeepers that are living comfortably and worried about their pensions and while also trying to make sure that we can have a life as well, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry I kind of ranted there, but I- no, <laughs> no, you're you're good. I'm glad you did. Um, this is definitely something that was needed, and I'm glad that I brought you guys on to have this conversation with. Um, I think I it was a perfect pair. <laughs> So um, before we get out of here, I do have one final question, um, and then I'm going to let you guys tell my listeners how they can support you all. Um, if you have any great resources where they can read up more on um, educating themselves when it comes to the history of Black farmers, please share that too. But before we get there, my final question is this. In one word, can you describe your relationship to the land? Just with one word. Hmm. <laughs> like just one word. <laughs> we looked at each other and we're like, hmm. think about um, it. <laughs> my relationship to the land. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to say like uh, what is in one word. I, I, one I, word only. Like I'm like, I'm uh, like something that says like, I'll say growth. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. 
Like okay. it, that's that's the word. Okay. Interconnected. Okay. Ah. Uh, I, I knew like this that. wouldn't be too hard. For me, it's healing. Yes. Um, it's just a very healing. Yeah, it's healing. Um, well, you guys, this this was incredible. Um, please tell my listeners how they can support you all. Share your social media pages. Um, once again, if you have any resources, any books that you recommend, um, give us all that information. For sure. Yeah. Y'all can follow us on Instagram um, at black to earth. Uh, so it's T O O Earth. Um, we're also on Facebook. Uh, we are also on Meetup. So y'all can, if y'all want to know more about our events, go to our Meetup. We have a website too. Uh, Black May second, and then we're supposed to be doing a beekeeping class. Um, June twenty sixth. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, it's gonna be amazing. We're working with um a black woman. Her name's Colette. Uh, we've done a beekeeping class. Are the bees going to be there? Yeah, the bees are going to be there. The bees are going to be hanging out. So they get, y'all got to show up. Uh, oh, okay. Definitely. Uh, also donate. Uh, we raise funds monthly uh, when we go to these volunteer um, days with these farmers so that we can purchase the farmers something that they need. Um, a few months ago, we got a Gratitude Botanical Farm, a greenhouse. Uh, we just got... Uh, Farmer Alex, a cooler. Um, we're raising uh, funds. We just got uh, some bags and some pots for Georgia Urban Roofs Farms. We're going to be there uh, this Saturday. So, yeah, please. And we're on Cash App and we're on PayPal uh, at Black to Earth. And uh, as far as resources, I'm going to say it again. Um, you know, we have a modern day uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. You're literally alive today. And um, <laughs> And I would say that those people would be Yvette Carnell on Breaking Brown. She's on YouTube and uh, Antonio Moore on Tone Talks on YouTube. Uh, they constantly have resources. They constantly have data. They constantly bring in history. And uh, they talk about these things from agriculture to, uh, 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 you know, ADOS, all these things. So, you know, mm-hmm. definitely tune into them on YouTube and, and they have a plethora of, of resources. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Again, thank you guys. Um, I'll be sure to include all of your information in the show notes, your website, your social media handles, cash app, all of that good stuff. And um, if you're listening and you want to support, please make sure to reach out. If you are in Atlanta, come out and support with your hands. Um, And until next time, you guys, like I always say, love, peace and propagate.